Instructional Designers in Offices Drinking Coffee is brought to you by Domino, makers of Domino One, the all-in-one cloud-based e-learning authoring tool for teams. You can learn more at domino.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-K-N-O-W.com. Now, here's this week's episode. chat who have been hanging out with us for a long time you may uh you may remember trombones that was when was that kara back in the day there we go thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> how's the weather everybody looks like we got some uh, we got we got some thunderstorms and crazy action going on in Columbus, Ohio. Holy smokes. <laughs> and how do we know that, Brent? Well, because we have a guest today, and I think you're going to give us a little bit of an introduction. Who's hanging out with us? Gang, we have Kara North back with us. Kara, it's been like a little while since you were with us the last time. 2019. Uh, Can you believe it's it? been that long? Really? Yeah. yeah. Where you been? Around, <laughs> I guess so. Right? Where are we been? Sudden, feeling really guilty. No, and don't feel everybody... guilty. So, given that it's been a bit of it's been a bit of a while, um, introduce yourself to the folks in the crowd who joined us today, who uh, who may not have met you yet. Sure. So, hi everybody. I am Kara North. Um, I'm located in Columbus, Ohio, and I am currently a freelance consultant. I have my own company called The Learning Camel. And so we are with you for the long haul. I always get asked why I named my company The Learning Camel. And in jest, I always say we spit knowledge at you, but that's not actually accurate. We're with you for the long haul. We really care about the journey of of the content and the learning experiences that we create. Uh, Before I went freelance, I've worked in several different industries. I spent some time in higher education, spent some time in corporate. And then I also had a little kind of side hustle freelance, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about more today on how to get started with that. And yeah, I'm a proud pet parent. I'm a, my cat's name is Bib Fortuna. And yeah, I just uh, love the work that we get to do in this space. I mean, it's pretty, pretty powerful that we're in the people business and we can be part of someone's success. And that's something I don't take very lightly. Very cool. So when you were looking for um, 
the name for your for your your business. I'm I'm assuming that the learning dromedary URL was probably taken. Is that is that no. why you said it on camera camel or <laughs> no, I just I don't know. Like, you know, it's always one of those really weird exercises to figure out what to call yourself. And so there's, you know, cases to be made of do you use your name? Well, what's interesting about my name, you know, North is, you know, I took my partner's last name when I got married. But if you were to Google my name, there's also a romance novelist with the same name as me. Mm. So I didn't want to get confused <laughs> with that with my business. And so Fair it was enough. important for me to think of a name for kind of the consulting side of the business. And it ended up landing at the learning camel. Yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, it gives you an obvious visual right away too that people hear it are not probably going to forget it as opposed to you know something i, I don't know less evocative anyway and it, i think automatically I'm, I'm you know dozens and dozens of branding ideas i mean camels camels everywhere right uh <laughs> so can i hire you chris <laughs> <laughs> i think it's interesting because i i think uh, um you know, I'm just thinking of myself. The only other Brent Schlenker is a uh, fly fishing real estate agent in Montana. And um, yeah, it's been in, and he has brentschlenker.com. And I've been reaching out to him for several mm. years now because uh, he retired. Uh, and so, yeah, he doesn't need it anymore, but he won't give it up. And then Kev, Kevin Thorne, the only other Kevin Thorne, if you Google Kevin Thorne, is a professional wrestler. So, <laughs> yeah, your point is your your point hits right at home because uh, if you tr use your name in your business, yeah, it can. You, you got to look into that first. Well, and, and someday your business might not just might be more than just you too right so potentially right. see so you, you think about you, you know something um something something potentially that you can grow into as well or or you know have as a a different presence as as things evolve for sure yeah Indeed. there so are actually called... surprisingly surprisingly there are a few chris van wingerdens elsewhere in the world too most you know in the Netherlands, it's very freaky to find that. It's like Smith in the Netherlands, right? <laughs> Not quite, no, no, but still. Yeah. Yeah, so all right, so that's tip one. Google your name first and, and <laughs> think, think of a, a different way to brand your personal freelancing uh, side gig. And that's what we're talking about today. For those of you who haven't quite figured it out yet, maybe didn't read the email, haven't mm -hmm. clicked on the little I for information button up at the top of the screen. <laughs> but um, uh, Kara has done a presentation on this and put a lot of time into thinking about it besides actually becoming a freelancer. And so um, I'm super psyched for today's uh, conversation as we go past just one big tip. And while we're chatting, folks, let me just give the chat room a shout out and let all of you guys know. I'm sure there's a bunch of you in there that either want to be freelancers or um, already are. And any tips you guys have, just start dropping them into the chat. You guys can help the conversation along and uh, we will riff off of that as we go. But um, Kara's probably got a few things lined up for us. What, what would be number two if we were going to go down that, uh, 
numbering road? Sure. So I think after you kind of figure out, you know, the naming convention, maybe it's something that you actually think about or whatever. A couple tips is you might want to do searches to see what's already taken. So Brent, your comment about the guy that has the domain name of your name, like that's a good thing to check out before you kind of go all in. But um, especially as you get started on kind of what I call a side hustle, I always like to say you need to consider the cost. And when I talk about the cost, I'm not talking about just the cost of your equipment, your software, whatever. But the most precious resource, I believe, on planet Earth is your time. And your time is something you can't get a refund on. And so when you uh, often take maybe your first, second, third freelance client, you know, you're often doing this work before work, after work, weekends. And you really have to consider, like, what is the cost of this from my family, my friends, whatever. Now, luckily, I have a very patient and loving partner. But, you know, if I were, you know, like, for example, you know, where I am in my life now, it would be much harder for me to take on a lot of uh, freelance clients if I'm still working full-time versus, you know, kind of where I was in the beginning of my career because uh, the last couple roles that I had in corporate America was at a leadership level, which is way more daunting than just an individual contributor because you have to deal with everyone's messes. And so by the end of the day, my brain was just baby food and I could not even think about taking on another project at the end of the day versus when I was, you know, spry and, you know, individual contributor and like turning out all kinds of stuff. I had all this pent up energy and I was like, bring it on, you know? So I think that that is something that you really need to think about. But then another piece of this too, is even if you are freelancing or side hustling, ultimately in the end of the day, you are a business. And so with that, there are a couple of different things you need to think about. One, People are going to talk about you. You take someone's money, they're going to tell uh, others if you did a good job, if you didn't do a good job. And with that criticism, sometimes it's you know not warranted. You may disagree with it. And the way that you conduct yourself is the tone of your business. So you really have to take yourself kind of out of it and think of yourself as a business when you do this. And I will tell you, I have developed extremely thick skin um, over the the years that I've that I've been doing this. You know, I, I had a client one time, you know, not pay me at all. And that dealing with that was very difficult. And I, you know, they had twisted it to where I thought it was my fault until I seeked kind of uh, counsel from other people. And they're like, no, like, you know, this is not normal. You shouldn't have, you know, been that position. So I, I say that not to scare anybody, but I really want people to think about the scope of it. It's not just like, you know, signing up, turning your your light on if you're like a self-checkout person, right? And say, I'm open for business, you know? You really need to sit down and think about these considerations of, you know, is it going to be worth the time that I'm going to be taking away from other things that I have going on in my life? Do I have that balance? And then can I handle when someone doesn't pay me, talks bad about me or whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's, um, I think to kind of, uh, dial us back just a little bit, it just dawned on me, you know, before even anybody starts thinking about your name, you got to start thinking about what you do. And maybe we could just touch on that a little bit because our, 
understanding what you do and what you offer. I mean, it's easy for us in our industry to just say, yeah, I do e-learning or I do, I'm an instructional designer, right? But we all know it means different things to different companies, to different people and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think one of the, um, one of the things that I've noticed throughout the years with uh, freelancers is that need to really pinpoint and target something. It's, it's very uh, tempting to say, oh, I just do everything because I've got such a wide you know, range of skills and things in the background and my experiences and I can author and I can do instructional design and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's not always that easy. Like dialing in, if you talk to people outside of our industry, the first thing they'll tell you is you got to narrow your focus. What do you do? They'll say, and you tell them and they'll be like, no, you got to narrow that down. And you're like, oh, okay. And then they'll say, no, you got to narrow it down some more. Like you got to pick one thing and you got to mm. hit that. And that's hard. Have you, very hard. have you thought about that? Is there a particular yes. niche that you're going down and how did you get there? Yeah. So uh, just to kind of circle back, I promise this will come around. But, you know, when I was a hiring manager, you know, one thing that my litmus test of trying to select candidates for interviews was, you know, I saw so many people do what I call the alphabet soup on their resume. Oh, I can do all these e-learning authoring tools and I can do this and I can do that. And then you get over their portfolio, you see none of it. Right. And so to me, that's an immediate nope. You know, your resume is telling me what you can do. Your portfolio is showing me what you can do. And there needs to be alignment there. If there's not, it's a problem. So, you know, knowing that and knowing how much that annoyed me as a hiring manager, I knew I didn't want to do that when I was kind of, you know, developing, you know, the business. So, you know, I, I, I really thought more about kind of the pillars of what I like to do. So, um, you know, and I'll say I, I, I operate on three pillars. One pillar is what I call workforce development, meaning I want people in your organizations to grow with your organizations. We've seen a big shift of people leaving organizations because they don't feel valued. They don't feel like they can move up, etc. And so the work that I've kind of done throughout my career in, you know, building out career pathing or um, helping companies build out different courses about learning about their profession. I have one client that um, does assistive technology and the cool thing about assistive technology is they're a lot like instructional designers. A lot of them fell into it. And so this is a profession where a lot of people are aging out and they're wanting to get the word out that this is a great profession to get into. And they're wanting to build out kind of these uh, career pathway courses to let people know what to expect if this is a career path that they're wanting to do. So workforce development was is kind of my first pillar. I love it. My second pillar is what I call cleanup squad. <laughs> and so I like to work with clients who uh, maybe didn't get the results that they wanted or, you know, uh, maybe don't really kind of know what they need. And so um, another part of the work that I like to do is just get in there and get to know what, what they need and talk to them um, and really kind of dive in a little bit. So um, I had one, another potential discovery call um, a couple of weeks ago. And they were talking to me about they wanted to roll out this nutrition training. They were a um, nursing home. And they said, you know, we had a patient that got a banana and they shouldn't have got a banana. And so now we need mandatory nutrition training. 
And I said, well, I said, what happened? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, has anybody talked to the person that gave the person the banana? And they just looked at me. And they're like, no, somebody told me we need to build training. So that's why we're contacting you. And I said, but training's not going to fix the problem until you know the problem is why somebody gave someone a banana. So I like doing kind of kind of those things. Um, and then three, the other big one is kind of assessment and evaluation. So, you know, I've really spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what's it mean to actually know something and how can we support people kind of on their mastery journey. And so I really like to work on projects that focus on how can people actually practice before they need to do what they need to do so often it's yeah. you know oh you know take this e-learning and you know if you need it in a month well hopefully your little filing cabinet in the back of your brain works right so um i don't mm-hmm. know if that was helpful or not but those are kind of the three pillars of the projects that i i work on if i get something else that um in my pipeline that isn't a good fit um, that's actually dovetails into my third tip for freelancing <laughs> is making partnerships with other freelancers. You can't do everything. And so I um, actually made, um, here, I'll share it real quick. It's very scientific and uh, very you know special here, but I have a little um, Venn diagram here of what, you know, what this looks like, but essentially you have work that you don't want to do and someone else has work that they don't want to have to do. And then there's an overlap of work that needs an owner. So you can often make partnerships with other uh, consultants, agencies, et cetera, to kind of swap on some of the things that you have. And then the nice part about this is you, you make the partnerships. Uh, you can, you know, kind of grow your own learning about different things. But I, I think that other people who are freelancers are certainly not competition. I look at them as, as partners. Yeah. As you're talking here, a model that, that's popping into my brain is like the construction industry, right? Um, you, you know what you're good at. So you become, you know, you're, you're working your, your own business, you're in framing maybe, or maybe you're you know, doing roofing or, or whatever. Um, nobody in that business really decides to become a general contractor, I don't think, immediately. You, you, you start somewhere and then it builds and suddenly... Uh, but a big part of that growth is probably that also along the way you are you have built uh, those partnerships. So you know that you've got electricians and plumbers, et cetera, other trades, other skill sets, um, you know, that you trust and and can bring in um, in order to, to to deliver the you know the end result of a, of a house for someone, for example. But um, nobody, it's very rare that anybody has all of that stuff to begin with, and and, and in that in that realm, everybody expects that there will be other sub trades or, or you know, et cetera coming and going and you can think of that um, i think it's a, a kind of a, a useful metaphor maybe for for this idea of freelancing in our own space that hey this is what i do but i also have these people that you know when we need them or, or whatever bringing that uh, bringing that all together cool yeah and i can share from personal experience that uh, trying to do all of it mm. never works <laughs> it never works at all some of the best projects that have uh, that have finished, uh, you know, on time, on budget and successful were the ones that had a project manager, uh, somebody focused on video, somebody else focused on authoring, somebody else focused on illustration, interface design, uh, you know, and somebody else focused on content and all that kind of stuff. And 
it's, it's to experience that is, is really kind of cool. Those types of projects that have the kind of budget that can afford that large of a team to focus don't come along all that often. But uh, if you ever have the opportunity to be a part of something like that, even if it feels daunting or for whatever reason you don't want to take it, I would encourage everybody to experience that at least once. Because when you're a freelancer, it's very tempting to try to do everything because then all the money and all the, you know, the glory and the fame comes to you, right? It's like, (laughs) oh, you know, wow, that's a that's a pretty fat payday. I'm going to try to get this done all by myself, you know? And yeah. um, it, it never ends up working out like that. So, and you're failing your clients. I mean, why do you why do you want to do something kind of haphazardly? You know, right? Um, you really want to shine in the work that you're the best at, right? So, why do you not want to kind of bring in kind of I'm going to call that all star um, experience for every facet of of the project? I mean, t- truly, if you do that, you're serving your clients. Um, very well. So I, oh, yeah. I, that's another great way of looking at it too. You, you want the absolute best for them. So why would you want to stumble through building something if that's not your your jam? Yeah, yeah. And some re- really awesome comments in the chat going on here. So Connie was mentioning the narrower the focus, the more you become the expert at that one thing. Um, and that's a positive because you can have that, you, you know, that you can leverage that and, and focus it, especially if that's the thing you're passionate about. If it happens that you're good at it and you like it, right? <laughs> uh, and, and Jack's thrown in um, a couple of other points here too. Partnerships help uh, have helped grow my business and meet my business goals. Um, and, and light bulb Joe's throwing in, uh, people will come to you as they trust you. And then you can pass on to people that you trust and you can offer more. So, uh, you know, building out your network, having your, your collection of, of, of trustworthy, uh, colleagues, et cetera, uh, you know, to fill all of the gaps, et cetera. Yeah. Indeed. All right. What's well, so let's move on to the next tip. All right. Um, another tip is slightly controversial, but maybe not, but I have a saying, if it's free, it's for me. Okay, so back when the pandemic hit, um, there was an opportunity for me to speak at a conference. It was done here on Crowdcast, and it was one of the first virtual only learning development conferences. So I was invited to speak at it. I said yes. Um, I did a presentation. And in the audience of that first conference was someone who ended up being my biggest client. Um, And so they would have never found me if they weren't in that audience and they reached out and I still have a relationship with this client and they they've been a tremendous client to work with. So if I would have said no to that opportunity, um, I may have not gotten that 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 business. Uh, Same with a couple of my clients when I went full time freelance uh, came to me because they've seen me speak at conferences that Uh, I likely didn't get paid for my time, but, you know, from a networking perspective and then from a thought leadership perspective, it's obviously paid dividends because when I announced that I was going freelance, I had so much interest. I was just blown away. And I think that really speaks to the power of, you know, giving, paying it forward and, you know, making sure that you um, are also in charge of your own learning and growing as well, because often people say, oh, well, I'm a lifelong learner. Well, great. How are you a lifelong learner? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I just say that I am. No, that's not, <laughs> not good enough. And 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 really for me, the the some why I like speaking 
at, at different places, you know, idiotic or where, wherever, right, um, is it gives you an opportunity to get feedback. And when you get feedback, that's how you learn and grow. So I'm always open to feedback for any anything that I kind of put out there, but it makes me better. And even, you know, to your point earlier, Chris, the comments in the chat. I love reading the comments in the chat because I'm learning along with people, right? <laughs> they're 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 giving me advice and, and sharing their perspectives as well. And isn't that what it's all about? So I encourage you. I know it's very scary to get started speaking, been there and done that. I um, actually have a, a slight stutter. And it's something that I've worked through. I joined Toastmasters and it really helped me deal with it much better. And so if you can hear my voice right now, I'm telling you that you're good enough to speak because you have experiences that can be valuable to the community, no matter if you are brand new. Brand new, you have the advantage of seeing things with fresh eyes. So maybe you might bring up questions or perspectives that, you know, someone that's been in it for a while may not see. Um, you know, regardless of, of what you've done, you have value that you can share and bring. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, Lightbolt, Joe, threw a, a, com a follow up comment to agree. There's a great point about some conferences paying speakers when they are charging money. But as a freelancer, small business, I see these speaking mark speaking events as my marketing. It might not cost me actual money, but it does cost time. But as Kara says, it pays dividends and allows us to pay it back and forward for sure. Yeah, and it, and you're right, Kara. I, I don't think anybody here uh, will will say that it was controversial, but there are those people out there who say if nobody pays me for my time, I'm not going to do it. But I think um, remuneration, I believe, is the word, uh, comes in many different forms. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of money to to make it worth your time and to pay you. So, like you said getting a gig, meeting people, expanding your network. I mean, there's there's investing in your own personal marketing, like Joe says, is absolutely part of this idea of becoming a freelancer, you know, and and building that company. And that's hard work. And, and maybe, I know we've got another, you know, tip or two down the line, but maybe we can sidetrack for a second here and just talk a little bit about that, that time constraint because i think a lot of what people get frustrated with is like that balance right how much time do i put into building the business doing the accounting doing the invoicing making the phone calls trying to get new clients versus doing the actual work that's i think that's probably the hardest part if you i mean i know you've done freelancing in the past but um you know have you have you kind of figured that out for yourself yet um, work in progress. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and say I have all the, the answers for everything. One thing that was really important to me when I transitioned to full time and I shared the story with, with Chris and Brent in the green room is, you know, one of the reasons that I have went freelance is the last organization that I work at, worked at uh, had a big layoff and I had some signs that I thought it was it was coming. And so I said, I'm getting out of here before it gets gets bad. So when that happened, a lot of people that I worked with and respect and are just wickedly talented lost their jobs. And I was very sad for them. So what I'm trying to do is, and this isn't completely done yet, it's in the process, is a couple of my former colleagues 
um, are working with me right now um, because they have talents to give. And, you know, obviously I can't be a full-time employer for them yet, but at least it's something to help them get to their next opportunity. Plus they are curious. They have a lot of energy and passion. So, um, you know, one person has some event management experience. So they're going to help me figure out, you know, if I do a webinar strategy of like, you know, doing webinars kind of on my own. Um, another one I'm convinced can absolutely move mountains. And so that person, no matter what it is, she she gets it done, whatever I ask her to do. So um, leveraging, again, my network, being able to pay it forward and provide um, a little bit of income to people that I know were impacted by by a horrible event. You know, to me, that that's what it's all about. And I'm really happy and proud that I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack drops a great point in the uh, in the side in the chat room. Outsource accounting as early as you can. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and second that. <laughs> Unless for some strange reason you actually uh, you know are into accounting and can do that, but in my experience in our industry, we are a collection of creatives, and I don't think I know any creative who says, you know what I really love to do is the accounting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Going back to the accounting part, one thing that we didn't really touch on, but uh, something you need to think about as you're, um, you know, starting your your business is, you know, what, and this is not legal advice. I don't know. Let me put that out there, but you need to consider the advantages of being an LLC versus an S corp versus you know, other options. And so, um, you know, for me, I set up an LLC because it was convenient and easy in the state of Ohio that I'm in. It was $99 in a form that I filled out. And then once I got that from the state, then they sent that to me. I was able to apply to get a tax ID number. And then that tax ID number is what I give, um, you know, my clients for, for billing purposes. And then, you know, that way I'm able to track that money so it didn't come into the same kind of bucket of taxes as my income from my full-time job. But again, that's not saying that's what you have to do, just saying that's what I did. Uh, Your mileage may vary and your needs may vary based on your individual situation. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of comments about insurance, um, which is actually not something that I had, I've never freelanced really, so it's not something that I I thought of. Um, And what's, what's been your experience with that, Kara? Yeah, I, I have it. Um, I have personal liability insurance in the event that it hits the fan and it's going going down. You know, um, there was a time when I was working that, you know, things that kept me up at night was, you know, could someone get harmed in our company in a healthcare space of getting the wrong medication or when I was in manufacturing, could someone, you know, get get seriously injured or you know, hurt someone else in the factory that I was supporting. So it's different when you're full-time employed, but then thinking about, you know, where these things end up, what will happen, you know, I've often found that anytime anything goes wrong, the first person blamed is training. So to me, it's really critical to just have that extra security in case that happens, you you don't want to think that it does. But I've often found the times that I don't plan for something is when it happens. Murphy's Law loves our industry so much, right? So um, it, it's just an extra thing to 
keep my mind a little bit safe if something were to happen. Hmm. Yeah. And I guess uh, just, you know, it, it's probably become pretty obvious, but without putting too fine a point on it there, there, there is some upfront investments yes. in, in going freelance. And so if you've got a job currently, this is one of the reasons why people always say start the process while you have a job, if <laughs> at all possible, so that you can do these little things spaced out over time and you're not strapped at the last minute needing to come up with a few thousand bucks to get everything in order. Um, you know, and all of that, but that's not really where I wanted to go in today's conversation, right? I wanted to kind of keep it high level, not a whole lot of details, uh, because there's a lot of resources people can go to out there and get it. And, and one of the pitches I'll just make to wherever you're at, I'm sure Canada has it. I'm sure the UK has it, but, uh, the small business associations, uh, you know, there's the, uh, in the U S there's the national small business uh, bureau, whatever you can go to, but every state has one too. And, uh, your local chamber of commerce, uh, is a great place to go. And, um, trying to think there's a, there is one nonprofit association that has like former CEOs and former executives that, um, that offer their time and will, um, help coach you along and talk you through a process and also hit up your local community college. They have free resources or your university, you know, wherever you went to, if you graduated from a university as an alumni, you probably still have free resources available to you. Even if it was, Oh, I don't know, 30 years ago. <laughs> Would you say back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why didn't that work? Oh, Dang it, I hit the button just in time too and it didn't make the noise. We're waiting. We're waiting. Yeah, I don't. Oh man. Uh okay. No snare drum. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There Better it is. late yeah, than yeah. never, people. <laughs> yeah, we, we managed to look it in. Yeah. Um Jennifer was mentioning in the chat, uh, um, Karen, I saw you uh did reply in the chat too, but you know, building a formal business plan, which isn't actually something we've talked about things that maybe touch upon the idea of, you know, some, some aspects of, of a business plan, but um, what was your experience, you know, from that perspective as you were. Yeah, it was, that? it was wonderful. So, um, cool. you know, where, where I live, there's a local uh, women economic development resource that um, is open and they walk you through kind of your whole uh, business development planning and it, it was a fantastic experience. Um, a couple things not to go back down a rabbit hole of what Brent was talking about earlier about, you know, getting started, the cost of it, whatever, you know, a couple things that they had brought in to light when I was building it out was one, you know, checking your employment contract to see if you can actually do this. Uh, there are some organizations that may say it's a conflict of interest and being very careful with that, luckily, when I started this, I was still working at the university and the university was actually fairly liberal with kind of those those policies, which was good. Um, another one going back to kind of the cost is and this is a, a mountain I'm willing to die on is I do not think that it's uh, 
morally or ethically the right thing to use equipment your employer provides you for your your free your side hustle. Um, I got in a couple heated conversations on LinkedIn about that people that disagree with me about that, but ultimately your employer owns that. And so I think that that's, you know, mm -hmm. kind of poor form. And if you are not in a position to where you can pay for that, maybe it's something you need to work up towards or, you know, save some money to, to get that. Cause I, I feel very passionately that you shouldn't do that because, you know, using like some e-learning authoring tools or something, um, depending on the way that it's set up, you know, your employer can often see what you do in those tools. And, you know, uh, that's not a good conversation that you want to, to have. And that also too, that that puts you on a wrong footing in getting this off the ground, right? You, you want to always, I believe, do the right thing. And, and that's one thing that I've had a conversation with a couple of the other um, folks that I know do this is, you know, you would be surprised how doing what you say you're going to do and just following through will get you more clients. I know that sounds simple, but there are just so many people that bite off more than they can chew or put their head in a sand like an ostrich or something. But, you know, being consistent, you know, telling them, yes, I will do this on this date, blah, 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 that will get you probably more clients than, than you could probably handle. Yeah. It's Building true. out your reputation, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so we were, we're talking, you know, five tips. Have we, have we covered all five of your tips, Kara, or is there, are there any left that you I, I had two Here's more because uh, I wasn't right. expecting the talking about the business being tip one, mm -hmm. but that's okay. Um, my fourth tip would be iterations. And so knowing that, you know, you're probably never going to have a perfect project. Um, if you actually have a perfect project, I'd love to hear about it. I certainly <laughs> never had a perfect project, but knowing that, <laughs> you know, there's going to be lessons learned along the way. So one thing I like to do is I like to kind of keep like this tally or tracker of the project of like, hey, on this day, I had problems with this. This is how I fixed it or whatever. So you have kind of this living document of kind of these issues and problems that you, you've overcame. And then the nice thing is you can kind of go back um, and look back and laugh. You know, I had a financial client that we had this horrible Excel that I just could not fix the blasted thing. And it took me, I don't know how long to do it. But now looking back, it was so simple. Like I, I, I was in my own head so much, right? So yeah. keeping that like a tally of the kind of lessons learned, I think is really powerful. Again, as you're growing and, you know, maturing in your, in your business, I think it's really important to keep those lessons learned. Very cool. That's a good it, one. Yeah, because it, it's so easy to um, to get sort of you know the the stress and the negativity, but being able to at least reflect on the fact that hey, this is part of it, and we can we can climb this mountain, uh, and having that 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 record keeping that you know in your conscious memory rather than just uh, having it fade out and only the the negative experience of that being the color that you remember from that experience, it's a good way to keep yourself uh, rolling forward. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'll, uh, um, I'll just toss in too. A lot of times, um, just because of economic downturns, whatever reason for you know your organization being downsized or or you're leaving, even if you plan it and structure it, sometimes in the best of employment circumstances, you can even talk to your employer or your manager about what you're doing, and they will support you and help yes. you go through that mm -hmm. process. They'll say, "All right, let's take a year." in that 
in that year, you know, you, you know, work on your side hustle, but help us find your replacement or whatever, or finish up this project before the end of the year or whatever. And then a lot of times your former employer can also be your anchor client and they'll still send you work. You're just doing it freelance and you're contracting with them. Uh, I know, I know a lot of freelancing consulting businesses that have been started that way as well. So don't, don't count out your current employer ever. Um, you know, start there. It's, I mean, you've already got the relationships and all that. So anyways, all right, let's go to number five. I just wanted to toss that in. Sure. Number five, super simple, pay it forward. Um, you know, we have a really awesome, I think, collective of people that do, do this work. Um, when you're at a position where you can help others, whether it's just advice, encouragement, whatever, uh, pay it forward. I certainly wouldn't be where I am today without the time and talents of, uh, really nice people, Brent, including yourself, right? So um, pay it forward and and really think about how you can kind of nurture and encourage the next next generation of uh, learning and development professionals. Mm-hmm. We are by nature, those of us in this space, the vast, 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 vast majority of us, um, helpful people. We, you know, the work that we do, we value it because we know that it helps, that it can help, you know, produce change has an effect on people's lives and hopefully in a positive way. Um, and yeah, taking that outside of the work, but then spreading that around, whether that's at conferences or just in, you know, in networking, et cetera. Very cool. Yeah. Important thing to think about. Yeah. Nothing cooler than seeing that light bulb go off. Right. That's why everybody mm-hmm. that becomes teachers becomes teachers. And then if you naturally roll into the corporate space afterwards, uh, it, it's the same thing, except, you know, then we do the e-learning and it's fun to see people learn stuff and, or maybe you make videos and it's fun to see people say, wow, I learned so much just watching your video or hearing you talk at a conference, right? All that kind of stuff. It's, um, makes us feel good. And that's, yes. uh, that's always the yeah. big bonus. What, one, one final question that's in the question panel here, which is, um, at first, do you let your clients know you also have a full-time job doing the same work, but you work on their stuff in your off time? That's um, that's that's an interesting one because you want them to make sure that they feel that they're being, you know, getting the attention that they need, et cetera. And the project's not just, uh, you, you know, something casual, et cetera. But uh, at the same time, um, you do have to manage those expectations too. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on that one, Kara? Yeah, I think it depends on how you slice or dice it. Um, you know, if it's a deliverable-based project, maybe you can say I can dedicate, you know, 10 hours a week or something, just being mm. upfront about that. I, I've never, when I was still full-time employed, never had a client bat an eyelash about it because I was just upfront and say, listen, uh, from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., I'm off limits, you know, 4.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. I'm all yours, you know, setting those expectations. And again, the big one, following through and (laughs) and doing what you're saying you're going to do um, is really, really critical. So, yeah, I I think just setting those expectations, they understand. I mean, you are contracting. You're not necessarily there, what I call employee, right? So uh, you definitely have a a little bit more autonomy and freedom with your time. But just just be honest and forthright. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, oh, and as we were chatting, one more question just t- tossed in, and we probably ought to, this be a good one to maybe close on. How do you get over the fear of exiting your corporate job and leaving that safety net? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'll tell you my first 
couple gigs that I did was I um, subcontracted for a freelancer. So just to kind of get my feet wet, um, you know, I, I started with even doing QA of, of e-learning. Um, I wrote up like different little uh, metadata stuff. So I, I did a little bit of everything just to get comfortable doing doing the work. And that was a really nice way to kind of dip my toe in. And then once I built my confidence up with that, then I felt confident kind of going and doing uh, projects on, on my own. But uh, I think just having those conversations with people and say, hey, you know, if you're looking and to kind of offload something, you know, let me know to kind of get me started. Uh, you'd probably be surprised how much potential work that you'll probably find just by asking that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Indeed. And it's, uh, it is not as easy as people think, but more fun than you might imagine. So I would encourage everybody to at least give it a shot <laughs> and at least, you know, get, get out there and, uh, you know, and give it a try and see what you think. We'd love to hear how you do too. If anybody has any resources they'd like to drop into the chat, now's a great time to do it. For sure. There's so Kara's info. If, if anybody's looking to connect with Kara, uh, she just tossed her contact info into the chat too. Yeah. Um, and folks, don't forget it. Our time here at Idiotic is, uh, is sponsored by Domino Learning Systems. So if you're interested in learning more about Domino and Domino One, I just threw a link into the chat there uh, for that. Brent has tossed in the link to the LinkedIn group. The link to the LinkedIn group. That almost sounds like horses galloping or something. Um, funny where your brain goes, eh? Join us there, though, because we, uh, we do have lots of stuff that happens in that, in that LinkedIn session or in that LinkedIn group there, keeping the, keeping the ideas rolling. Kara, thanks so much for joining us this week. It's thanks awesome for having me. Missed you all. Yeah. So good to be here. Bye, gang. Bye.